Welcome to your business education station. This is Mind Your Business Radio on TalkZone.com. Our mission is to educate women and people of color about the financial and legal aspects of business, personal finance, and changing your money mindset to create financial freedom. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Florence Seiler, CPA, and Attorney Althea DeVar Johnson. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Mind Your Business Radio. We are here at Atlanta Technical College. I am here with my colleague and my friend, Mr. Damon Scott, and I am here with his accounting class. Hello, accountants. How are you? (laughs) We are here live on campus at Atlanta Tech. And we want to give a shout out to attorney Althea DeBar Johnson, my co-host. She's not here today. She had duty calls. She's in court working it out. And so I want to introduce you to Mr. Damon Scott. I don't even need a paper to introduce this man because I know him. I've worked with him before. He's done a lot of community events for us, live presentations. He is a passionate speaker. He is uh, an attorney. He is a uh, accountant, uh, and today he is going to talk to. Well, of course, yes, he is a a, a homeboy, you know, from Chicago. He went to DePaul University. He made sure he flashed that to make sure I remembered DePaul University. <laughs> that he is a homeboy from Chicago, and so we're going to welcome Mr. Damon Scott. Mr. Scott, how are you? All is well this morning. Glad wonderful, to have you. Wonderful. So you're going to do a presentation for us here live in the classroom, and we want to share it with our listeners. What are you talking about today? Today we're talking about how to avoid financial traps. And I want to begin uh, talking about a book that was written by Michael Gerber when he talks about the e-myth. The e-myth of being the entrepreneurial myth that most people, when they start businesses, they tend to think that they can succeed in a business because they want to do something that they absolutely love doing. Okay, And the truth is that most small businesses fail because most businesses are not run successfully by people who love doing what they're doing, but because they know how to do what it is they're doing. For instance, just because you're good at cutting hair does not necessarily mean you would be good at running a barbershop. Right, right. Just because you have a trade doesn't mean that you know business. Correct. Okay. And so what we want to talk about now is the business of taking advantage of the underprivileged, Mm -hmm. meaning that there are a lot of financial traps in the community that are there for you to fall into. And if you're not aware of them, you very well can fall into them. The, The next myth I want to talk about is just the fact that many of you believe that if you had millions of dollars, you would just be set. How many show of hands? Shame the devil, tell the truth. How many people in here believe that if you had millions of dollars, that you would just be set? Me included. Okay. Now, now, (laughs) Professor Siler can say that because she understands the tax code. Okay. And most people who who are poor, who get rich and then get poor again, do so because they don't understand the tax code. Right. Okay. But I want to show you some examples of people who actually made money. And literally uh, lost it all. So when we talk about uh, the doc- the ESPN documentary Thirty for Thirty Broke, okay, mm-hmm. one of the first things that they bring out, and this was brought out in Sports Illustrated on uh, March twenty third, two thousand and nine. By the time they had been retired for at least two years, seventy eight percent of former NFL players have gone bankrupt or are under financial distress. Mm-hmm. Okay, 
Within five years of retirement, an estimated 60% of former NBA players are broke. Okay? So one of the things I want you to know is that just because you have money, it does not necessarily mean that you will have uh, financial success. Uh, Antoine Walker, he made over $110 million. Broke. Filed bankruptcy. Mike Tyson, over $400 million. Okay, how many people in here feel like if they had four hundred million dollars, all of their tr- all of their worries would be over? Look at those hands. That's everybody Look in the that. classroom, right? right. And <laughs> and you don't know that this is when your troubles will truly begin. Okay, <laughs> and so uh, one of the things I want to get to are just the financial traps. Okay, uh, the the first being uh, that do do many of you know? that there are more payday loan outlets in this country mm. than there are Starbucks and McDonald's combined. Wow. Who in here knew that? Who in here knew? Who, 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 who's most likely to take advantage of a, uh, of a payday loan? Young, underprivileged hmm? people. Minorities, yeah. Under, well, underserved, yeah. Typically, <laughs> typically the people that they focus on female with children in single-headed households. This is what I love about this radio program, okay, to focus on the minority as well as women to help empower that segment of the citizenry because what we need to do is to be aware of this. We need to be aware of this. Now, this is not to say that taking out a payday loan is a bad thing. Wow. It's not at all. Um, Mr. Scott, can I also, you have here another statistic that is just killing me here. Mm-hmm. 16% have post-secondary education. So the majority, so you're talking about 80%. About 83 and a third percent. Yeah. 83 and a third percent are uneducated who take mm-hmm. advantage of this payday loan. Correct. Okay. So you all here are getting an education. All right. So you ought not be in this statistic, okay? You ought not be one of those that is taking advantage of a payday loan, okay? And we'll talk about how you can avoid taking advantage of a payday loan, okay? Also keep in mind that whenever you do get a payday loan, they're going to, you have to write them a check, but then they're going to deposit that check after, not on your payday, but after your payday. Does anybody see a problem with that? Tell me this. Why does the IRS do withholdings from your from your check when they, they just take your taxes right out of your check? Why do they do that? To cover upcoming taxes. True, but... Because you won't, go, you won't be honest and pay them. Well, that, it, it has more to do with administrative convenience. They're going to get it when you have it. Right. Okay? Whereas if we start to... If we wait a couple of days... We already know you're in financial distress. If we wait a couple of days and cast a check, now you may not have it. Now you may be in a bigger hole. And so what's the advantage of them? What's the advantage to that company, that payday loan company, uh, to wait until the customer has actually um, received their paycheck? So afterwards, there's a strategy to that, right? There's a strategy to that, meaning that they want you to roll over the loan. If you do not have the loan, if they if, if, if they loan you $300, the fee for that could be as much as $60. Mm-hmm. 
And so if you just have to roll that loan over five times, and we're talking about two week loans here, then literally they've made as much money as you borrow and you're still rolling this loan over. So they want to be able to have this loan come due after you don't have it anymore. So after your paycheck is gone, they want to be able to call that loan knowing that you can't pay it so that they can roll it and get more interest because think about it. That's how they make money, right? Mm-hmm. Is on interest. And so if you, if they get it when you get, when you get paid, then that, you know, they haven't made any real money. But if they can keep rolling that loan, then that's when the dollars add up, huh? It's critically important. Sometimes the, the, uh, interest rate can be, the annual interest rate on these can be as high as 400%. Okay, and so what you want to do, if you ever have to use a title loan or a uh, payday loan, you want to do so responsibly. Okay, you want to plan. Hopefully you'll be in a situation where you never have to use uh, a payday loan. But if you're going to do so, we need you to do so responsibly. So and that means not having to roll it over ad infinitum, Uh, meaning that. You want to plan, even the researchers who follow this indicate that many people use this short-term credit tool in a long-term fashion. And the minute it becomes a long-term credit solution for you, that's when you know that you're using it irresponsibly. Wow. Wow. Good. This is, this is awesome. This is awesome, Mr. Scott. This is awesome. So, so what other things should we avoid? I mean, I've heard of title loans and other things like that. What are these things that we should avoid as well? Well, yes. I mean, one of the, one of the beautiful things about owning property, if you own the vehicle, Mm -hmm. okay, and we're talking about title loans now. If you own a vehicle, when you own something outright, you can do whatever you want to do with it. But the bad thing about being in a place like Georgia and taking out a title loan in a place like Georgia is that Georgia is a place where you will need your vehicle. And if you do not, it's not like New York. Most New Yorkers don't even have uh, driver's licenses. Right. Okay. I lived in Chicago. I drove my car 3,500 miles for the entire year. Right. Okay. But... In Georgia, being on 285, uh, being on 75 and 85 seems to be an intimate part of being in this city. Right. Uh, so that said, your your uh, title loans in Georgia, these are considered pawnbrokers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so as a result, if you have to know that if you don't make that loan back, if you don't make that payment back, then your car can be repossessed. As a matter of fact. Even to sign up for the loan, you have to sign the title of your car over to the the broker. And as a result, before you even get the money on state records, they are the title or the legal owner of the vehicle. And you don't become the legal owner of the vehicle until you get the until you pay it back. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes, that, that, that is. Yes. Absolutely. Now, mind you, uh, again, we can go deeper into this and we'll do that a bit more after the break. But the fact remains that if you cannot pay this back and then you end up losing your vehicle, how does that impact your job? How does that impact your earning capacity? Hmm. Okay. how does that impact your ability to get back and forth to work to provide for not only yourself, to pay your mortgage, to pay 
whatever other bills you have to pay. Okay. Consider again in the state of Georgia, your uh, title lenders are pawnbrokers. The interest rate is capped at about 25% per month, which is about 300% interest per year. Oh, wow. That, 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 I didn't even know that was legal. I mean, and a 300% APR, I didn't even know that was legal. In, 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 in the state of Georgia, again, they try to cap it at 25%. Wow. Okay. But the hope is that, now mind you, there's something that many of you need to be aware of whenever you're using collateral in order to borrow money. And that is that commercial lenders tend to use what is known as loan to value in order to borrow, to lend you money. So if your car is worth $3,000, do you think you can go get a $3,000 loan? No. What's the highest amount that you can get on that car? Probably about 50%. Mm -hmm. Because they know they're already dealing with somebody in financial distress. And so they want to be make sure that they can clear enough in order to sell the vehicle, cover the administrative cost of, of selling the vehicle, and still make a profit. And still not only get their money back, but make a profit as well. Wow. Okay. That's, that, that's pretty devastating, too, to someone who's already in financial trouble to have their car taken away. Well, Mr. Scott, we're going to, we, we want people to call in. We want to make sure that our listeners, uh, this is a show from Atlanta Tech, and we are so happy to be here, but we want people to feel free to call in. You know the number, 888-463-6748, 888-GO-FOR-IT. If you have any questions here for Mr. Scott, it's time to take a break right now, but we'll be right back. Stay tuned. Busyfolk.com is the dry cleaning pickup and drop-off service for busy people like you. Busyfolk.com saves you tons of time. They can pick up and deliver to your job or your home. You decide. No more fighting traffic trying to pick up the kids and the dry cleaning before going home. One less trip means less money spent on gas. And we all know that time is money, right? They also offer wash and fold laundry service and work hard to make sure that their customers know that their satisfaction is their main priority. Plus, business owners love them because they offer pickup and delivery uniform cleaning. They also handle bulk cleaning of tablecloths, napkins, and any other business dry cleaning needs. Busyfolk.com is only a click away. Find them by typing busyfolk.com into your computer or smartphone. They currently pick up and deliver in the Atlanta area, serving Fulton, DeKalb, and Cobb counties. Visit BusyFolk.com to register for an account or to learn more. That's BusyFolk.com. You can file your own taxes. It's simple. Just click MyOwnTaxReturn.com. But if filing your own taxes is not for you, they've got you covered. Just click MyOwnTaxReturn.com to reach a real CPA. Most advice is free. Or you can hire a CPA if you're still convinced that tax preparation is just not for you. And they have tax tips that you can use for the upcoming tax season. It's all right here on MyOwnTaxReturn.com. That's MyOwnTaxReturn.com. And now back to Dr. Florence Seiler and Althea DeBar-Johnson for more of Mind Your Business Radio on TalkZone. Well, we are back. We are back. We are back here with Atlanta Tech, and we are back here with uh, Mr. Damon Scott's class. Say hello, everybody. Hello. 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 Any, any shout-outs? 
Any shout outs? No. Okay, all right, just checking. You asked me about shout outs. Okay, all right, I was going to let you do a shout out, but that's all right. We're back with, uh, with Mr. Scott. And Mr. Scott, you are continuing this conversation on financial traps. And so what, what's, the, what's the next trap we need to avoid? Well, because I'm talking to students, I want students to be aware of the relationship that financial institutions are developing with higher education institutions. And in that regard, a lot of banks have taken over the student ID function of a lot of the um, higher education institutions. And so now you have a student ID uh, that looks like a debit card, a prepaid debit card. So not only not only can you um, can you um, see uh, the Leah has one of these, mm-hmm. <laughs> and we'll leave her institution out of this for now. We won't. We won't say. <laughs> we, won't, we won't say what state it's in. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But uh, again. One of the things I, I have no problem with the financial institutions taking over uh, that that function. But what I do have a problem with is that many of these cards have usage fees. Mm-hmm. They have non usage fees <laughs> and they have like reloadable fees, reloading fees. So if you use it, you get charged. If you don't use it, you get charged. And when you want to put your student refund on it. You get charged. But, you know, uh, Mr. Scott, a lot of universities don't even give you a choice. They tell you that once your financial aid right is, is done, whatever refund that you get from financial aid goes on your card. You don't have a choice to get it in any other way sometimes. It's a misunderstanding. It's a misunderstanding? Oh, okay. Um, I, I, I was at the misunderstanding that they said, you want direct deposit? I said, sure, give me direct deposit. Ah, they and tell you it's direct deposit. To it, yeah, it was direct deposit, but it had to go through their card. Ah, and okay. And the process was the, the school sent it to the card, and then when you don't want it on that card, the card sent it to the Federal Reserve, and then the Federal Reserve sent it to your bank. Why not just put it in the student's account? All of that rigmarole is crazy. Okay, well... You know, were there any fees associated with that? If you used your card, there would have been, but there was no fees for it to no go fees. to your bank. Okay. No fees, just longer time. Okay, that's good. Well, the thing about it, though, is a longer time is interest in my mind. So yes. when you have my money, you know, for more than a day, I'm starting to calculate, you know. Well, one one of the things that people do or the institutions will do is that they'll, they'll do the same thing that the um, – that the tax institutions like H&R Block will do, they'll say you can get it quicker if you have it on the card. Yes. But if you want it cashed, then it'll take some time. And most students don't want to wait. They want to get it right then and right now. Okay. Okay. All right, Mr. Scott, we have a caller on the line. Sadie, are you there? Yes. Hi, yes. Sadie. You're, uh, you're live on the air with Mind Your Business Radio and Mr. Scott. Sadie, what exactly is your question? Well, I think he started discussing it, but my question is, why would people go for a payday loan or a title loan instead of going to the bank for a loan? Okay, good question, Sadie. Thank you for calling. Why would people go and do a payday loan instead of going to the bank for a loan? Mr. Scott? One of the reasons why, and and thanks to Sadie for bringing this question up, but a lot of people... 
a lot of people have had challenges with their credit. And one of the things that this this discussion should help to bring about a discussion about credit and the responsible use, and not only that, the responsible management of credit. A FICO score uh, is something that is entirely manageable if you know what makes it go up and what makes it go down. Many people, the answer to Sadie's question is that many people will go and get a payday loan or a title loan because they can't get a credit card, or in many cases, they've damaged their credit or they've damaged their bank account to the point where they can't even get an account, so they report it to the check system, and so they can't get an account, they have no other resources, and so they turn to the payday loan option, okay? Mm -hmm. And I'd like to talk about the human issue related to that. Okay. The one word, shame. Mm. We have, we are ashamed of financial mistakes we've made. Right. We don't want people to know our business. And so in order to, to live with that shame in private, rather than address the issue with the credit bureaus, we would rather just go to the payday loan or go to the title loan and get the money that way rather than just deal with the issue. Okay, Um, and there's a lot of shame that people carry if they made financial mistakes. Financial mistakes are not um, they're not they're not final. They're they're not going to if your credit score is six oh five, it's not going to be six oh five forever. Right. And but you know what? That's interesting. The whole shame issue. I think the other thing, too, is, you know, I know one of my problems is I just don't seem to have time to deal with all you know, getting my credit report, looking at it, you know, uh, making sure there are no errors and things on it. But to your point, just to be able, you don't really need a high, high, high credit score to, to get a bank, to get a, to, to open up a bank account. Correct. All you need to do is make sure that you have cleared any outstanding uh, uh, flags with other banks and also with checks. Okay. A lot of times you can have some, some discrepancies or some, some issues on your credit as long as you go, you know, go and clear up what you, maybe you've overdrafted some things on a previous bank account. If you go and clear those things and some check things, there are a lot of banks now who will give you that chance, you know, especially credit unions and things like that will give you that chance nowadays. So you don't have to necessarily patronize the uh, check cashing uh, establishments. Correct. Mm-hmm. I mean, one, again, one of the things you always want to do is make sure to manage your credit effectively. Okay. Know the things. Anybody can go to myfico.com and that literally will spell out all of the things that will make credit scores go up, can make credit scores go down. And so since this is my class, I'm going to ask a question. Again, shame the devil, tell the truth. <laughs> How many of you know exactly what your credit score was at least 30 days ago. Show of hands. Good, good. We have about half of them. Okay, hey. that's good. Okay, that's, that's good. A, that's a good thing. You always, now mind you, credit can be like health in a lot of ways. We, we don't always have the time to deal with it. Mm-hmm. We don't always have the time to, to go through all the hoops that the credit uh, bureaus will put us through. But we don't always have the time to exercise either. But if you get a chest pain, okay, (laughs) if you get strep throat, okay, then everything stops until you deal with that issue. So if you if somebody steals your identity, I can assure you at that point, everything is going to stop until you deal with that issue and straighten your credit issue out. We have a question from a student in the audience. Yes. 
if you don't have credit, what is what are some of the best ways to build your credit? So, so our student wants to know if you don't have credit, what are some of the best ways to build your credit? American Express, a lot of the major uh, Capital One, a lot of the major credit cards, they offer what are known as prepaid cards. Okay, and they also, particularly Capital One, they offer a lot of credit cards with low balances for people who do not have credit. And they're more, they're more like they're called secure, like they're not debit cards or actual credit cards, but you, but they're secured. So exactly, if you want five hundred dollars worth of credit, you send them five hundred dollars, and you can use the card up to five hundred. And what I found is that after so many months, maybe six months of using it responsibly, they actually give you credit. So if you start out with 500, you've sent 500 to the credit card company, you've been using it responsibly for six months, next thing you know, they'll send you and tell you that you have 750 limit. So now you're able to go up to 750, right? Um, and I, I can say that the easiest way to establish credit on a secure credit card is always you could even set your bank account up so that you are automatically paying the minimum amount so that you're never late. Correct. Okay. And then you can make additional payments in between that, but you want to do it on a regular basis so that you never have anything late. You never have any late payments. And that's a really good way to establish establish credit if you don't have it. After a while, you'll be able to just get a credit card without a, without the security. Okay. All right. You're welcome. One of the best things you can do for your credit is buy a house at some point. Um, because when you become a property owner, you're going to be treated entirely different yes, yes, uh, than you were before you were a property Absolutely. owner. And Absolutely. And it is not personal. It's just the matter the way the banks look at you. That's okay. true. Okay. What's next? We got another question. Uh, we're asking students what you what I'd like for you to do. Is if you have a question, if you don't want, if you want to ask your question personally on air, before you, when the question comes to your mind, make your way to the front, right? And that way, because we don't have time to, you know, while you're walking, silence on the radio, okay? So come up to the front prior to your question. So now I'm going to let uh, Mr. Scott go ahead with his presentation, and anybody that has a question can make your way up to the front, okay? Again, yes. one of the things that we were talking about as it relates to the student ID cards that now look like student credit cards uh, is literally, again, remember that there are per swipe fees. So you're going to, there are activity fees. You're going to pay a fee every single time you use it. Okay. There are inactivity fees, meaning that you're going to uh, be charged when you don't use it if it sits dormant for too long. If you overdraft an account, uh, there's going to be a fee for that. If you want to withdraw cash, there's going to be a fee for that. And whenever the school is about to do a refund or you want to reload it, there's going to be a fee for that. Okay. okay. Wow. Wow. Now, we have a, a student here, a beautiful student here who has a question. You want to state your name and ask your question. Um, my name is Yolanda. And um, my question is, since we're talking about traps and um, credit. Uh-huh. Do you feel that the places that have advertised to fix your credit mm. for $500, do you feel that those are traps or is it something that we should <laughs> take time to invest in? You know what? Most of those, and I, I would love for Mr. Scott to chime in this because I have my oh, personal yes. feeling about it. Most of those are traps. Okay. If you, because here's the thing, the credit bureaus have to, by law, Make the procedure to fix your credit something that you can do yourself. Okay, so here's the here's the issue. 
I've either seen one or two things. Either number one, the credit companies, these fix your credit companies will do things that you can do yourself, like pull your credit report and write letters and, and, and try to, you know, uh, say that this is not mine and so forth and so on. And number two is, or they will do something illegal. And some of these guys have not been found out yet, but some of these guys will help you get another social security number, all these illegal things that they'll do, right? So you have to be careful. What I would recommend is that you do some research and actually go out there and find out which companies are actually legitimate. Now, there are some that are nonprofit, but I found also that just because they're nonprofit doesn't mean they're legitimate, okay? Uh, some of them, like the Consumer Credit Counseling Agency, have been around forever. And what they do is they charge you a small fee for just negotiating payment plans on different issues and, and helping you write letters to kind of, uh, you know, say if there's something, if you find an error on your credit. Okay? Now, here's, yeah. the, here's the thing you have to consider, though. When every, any lender is looking at your credit profile, Mm-hmm. They know if you begin to work with a credit uh, uh, counseling agency, mm-hmm. that does not have the impact on your credit that a bankruptcy would have, but it clearly shows that you are in some type of financial distress. And so as a result, when the FICO scores, when the credit bureaus, TransUnion, Equifax, Experion, when they see anything related to a credit counseling service on your report, it's going to drop your score. Mm. Mm. It's going to drop your score. Uh, That makes sense. That makes absolutely sense because they're watching your score to see exactly what's going on with you. Okay. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Now, mind you, there have been credit, uh, there have been credit repair agencies, many of whom were sometimes were law firms. What they would do is they would use a loophole in uh, the, the, the credit laws and they will send letters on behalf of the, the borrower to the to the creditor saying, can you produce the original document evidencing the debt? If the the creditor who who owns the debt cannot produce that original document, then the credit bureaus are required to drop that trade line off your credit report. Now, mind you, that af- that does not affect the legality or the title, their rightful title to the debt. It only allows the, the, the creditor in this case or the borrower in this case to defraud the next creditor to say, my credit is clean. I don't have these things on my debt when those debts are still out there. And, and sometimes they pop back up because it's just a matter of time before exactly. the company can pull the correct records and prove that that stuff is yours. And so it'll just pop back on. If you exactly. paid $500 and now your credit is clean for a couple of months, exactly. and then those things can pop back on because they have legitimate paperwork to put them back on there. Exactly. And so as a result, you want to just, to the extent possible, you either want to pay these off. Or you just want to go the legal route, declare a bankruptcy, do a negotiation with your creditors, settle, handle it however you can. But just know that there's not going to be a quick, easy fix to it. Yeah. Okay. And one of the things and I appreciate your question. One of the things that we're going to do later on this year when we have a discussion on Mind Your Business Radio about credit is we are going to talk specifically about the steps that you can do as an individual. Right how you write the letters and different things like that. Because a lot, like I said, in the law, the credit reporting agencies had to make it so that the individual consumer can actually pull their report and actually dispute or ask questions and things like that. So there is no fix-it agency that can do anything that you can't do on your own. Okay? 
Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. All right, what's our next trap? That my next trap is the one that everybody wants oh, to Lord, turn don't, to. Do we have to say this? Yeah, one? we have to say it. We have to say it. We have to say it. The lie. Okay. You it, can't win if you don't play. It, well, it, 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 it is true. It is true that you have to be in it to win it. Yes. Okay. That 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 is a truism. However, one of the things I want to point out to you is who actually, by zip code, who actually is paying, and by zip code, who's actually benefiting from this? Absolutely. This okay? is the problem. So one of the things that Dave Ramsey points out, he says that studies show that zip codes that spend, that, uh, the zip codes that spend four times what anybody else does on lottery tickets are those in the low-income communities. Mm-hmm. However, you guys know that lottery funds and proceeds are used to pay for education, all right? But not your education. That's the problem. Again, <laughs> Dave Ramsey says statistically, scholarships disproportionately go to students who are in zip codes that are middle class and upper class. So as it relates to playing the lottery, what I want my class and your listeners to know is that Poor people are spending money to send upper and middle class kids to school. That's what it does. That's <laughs> now that 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 is yeah. not to say that you can't get lucky on any any occasion and and make more money uh, than you ever imagined. But the chances of you being hit by lightning. Are higher three or four times. Are <laughs> <laughs> yes, the uh, chances of you being hit by lightning are higher. A much higher. So you want to make certain again, if you have disposable income and you have a dollar or two here or there, okay. But if you're playing twenty dollars a week, begin mm-hmm. to annualize that. Right. And not only annualize that in terms of what am I spending per year. But think about what if you invested that money? Think about this concept called retirement spending. Yes. Okay. What does retirement spending mean? Retirement spending means what if I just took the money that I'm going to spend, the hundred or two hundred dollars I'm going to spend going out to dinner tonight? What if I invested that money in some stock or something, or invested it in a four hundred one k? Absolutely. If I had bought Facebook stock with $200 when it came out, I think it started at $38, dropped down as low as $5 a share. Right. Mm. Now, with $200, I could have bought, you know, quite a few shares. Now those shares are more than $105 a share. That's right. That's retirement spending. How does this money come to be, come to grow to a certain value over the next 10, 15, 20 years? which a lot of my students have that type of time horizon in front of them, but none of them seem to be able to think about the next 20, 15, or or 30 years. Everybody seems to think about right now, today, in the moment. Well, here's the thing, guys. One of the things that I have seen in my research, looking at the disparity between poor, middle class, and the wealthy, one of the things that I have seen is that the wealthy, of course, are not wealthy overnight. Right. Correct. What happens is they have learned a couple of things. One of the things that they have learned, the first thing that they have learned, they have learned that they don't have to have everything now. So they have learned to defer. Okay. They have learned that I can defer some things. They have learned to use time as their friend. 
Now, a lot of us say, well, I don't know if I'm going to live that long. I don't even know if I'm going to I don't know. But here's the thing. If you don't live till you're 90 years old, you still have money to leave to your family. And what we don't do, especially as black people, is we don't leave a legacy. All right? Our, our, our kids have to start over just like we did. Okay? It's not enough to leave your children a home if the home has a mortgage. Because all they're going to do is lose it. Okay? So what you do is you use, uh, you use investments, you use insurance, you use whatever you can. Yes, for your retirement, but if whatever's left when you die goes to your heirs, okay? And you teach them how to use that. The wealthiest people in this country are wealthy because their grandparents and their grandparents and their grandparents were wealthy, and it's called wealth transfer. Okay, it's called wealth transfer. When I graduated from college, I had to start at the ground floor, but my peers are starting someplace else because they either had a trust fund, they had some money, or they had a family member that owned a business so they didn't have to start on the ground floor. Some sort of legacy they are leaving and we leave nothing but a memory. Matter of fact, half of us don't even leave any insurance to bury each other. Okay, let alone leave a legacy for someone to get a leg up. Whether it's a college fund, whatever. Okay, we just don't do it. I've had to go through that, that experience where my brothers and I, my sisters and I, we all had to get together as a family to figure out how we're going to bury my mother. Then, next, how are we going to bury my father? Yeah. We have to go uh, through those types of things. And that's a common story uh, yes. in the community. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Okay, Mr. Scott, I don't want to get off, off, off your presentation. What do you have next for us? One of the things I want to speak to, uh, or the next thing I want to speak to, is the belief that many people feel that if they've made a mistake with the banks and the check system, uh, they, they may have overdrawn an account and now they can't get a, a check, a bank account somewhere that somehow or another, that just means that that mistake was final. How many people, is there anybody here? Okay. Who does not have a bank account? Everybody has a bank account. Okay. We have one student that says she doesn't. Okay. For anybody who says that they do not have a bank account, trust me, it is not Final. It's not fatal. It's not final. You can go to the banks and you can just figure out exactly what were the problems. If there were checks, how many checks were bounced? When were they bounced? Okay. Banks will be able to sit down with you and they will provide you with this information. How long ago has it been since this activity took place? Okay. Uh, and again, there's going to be a specific credit score that you're going to need in order to open an account. Uh, but if you haven't had an account in a while, chances are there uh, there were not other credit facilities that you were able to open to get in any trouble that way either. So sometimes not having resources can actually be a blessing. OK, I would recommend anybody who does not have a checking account and they feel like they're always having to go to either the check cashing place or they always uh, they the, I think many employers now are doing what the schools are doing. Um, they're doing the deposit, direct deposits on, on, the card. on the prepaid cards again. And that puts you in a place where you're always uh, taking advantage of with the fees. 
it's better just to have a checking okay. account. Mm-hmm. Go to the banks, sit down, talk with them, resolve the issue. Because again, I always say problems do not age well. Okay, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to financial problems, they, they do don't not age well. They do not age well at all. You want to handle those problems, no matter how little you have to contribute to them on, on a weekly or a monthly basis, and then. Uh, you can go about the process of getting a checking account. All right. Well, Mr. Scott, this is awesome. Um, there are now. I know we <laughs> we kind of talked about we kind of talked about the lottery. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm just recapping. We talked about payday loans. We talked about title loans. Um, we talked about these prepaid debit cards. So what do we what do we do now? Okay, what what do we do now? Because we're all about here at Mind Your Business, we're all about creating solvency, creating a legacy. Um, we want you to be financially free. You know, we want people to, and, and, and let me define this for you. How many of you guys know what I mean when I say financially free? Is that some level of income or what, what do I mean by that? Hey, that's right. Where, where your 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 expenses don't exceed your so your expenses don't exceed your income, right? Everybody know that equation that Mr. Scott probably taught you the first day of class. Assets equal what? Liabilities plus equity. Do you realize that that is the equation for that is the foundation of speaking the language of accounting, and that is the foundation of speaking the language of success in this country. Let me ask you something. Let's just use an example. An asset is your house, right? So you have a $100,000 house. And on the other side of the equation, you have an $80,000 mortgage. How much house do you own? Twenty, right? Twenty thousand dollars. You own $20,000 worth of house. All right. Financial freedom basically says what you guys are talking about, okay? If you lower that debt, okay, and get to the point where that where your asset, your, you own your home, right, then that is the that is the definition of wealth. When someone says that uh, Bill Gates has five billion dollars, okay, he's worth five billion dollars. Not that he has five billion dollars, but he's worth five billion dollars or fifty billion dollars, whatever that is. They are saying that his assets minus his debt is five billion. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not his income because he doesn't even own Microsoft anymore. Okay, he just has stock, but he's not the full owner of Microsoft. So what he has learned, he took his income from Microsoft and created wealth. So your income is not wealth, your income creates wealth. So here's the key, guys. Whatever income you have, okay, it should not be all used on expenses. It should also be used to create assets, Okay, and so you have to understand in this life what an asset is. An asset is a business. An asset is a home. An asset are things that have value now and in the future. Insurance policies that have cash value and all that. And I, I know I hate more than anybody to have to spend my money on insurance, but it is. It is considered an asset. All right? Any questions about that? Because when we come back, Mr. Scott is going to talk about This the B word. We call it on Mind Your Business the B word, budget. (laughs) All right, so it's time to take a break. You're listening to Mind Your Business Radio. Busyfolk.com is the dry cleaning pickup and drop-off service for busy people like you. 
BusyFolk.com saves you tons of time. They can pick up and deliver to your job or your home. You decide. No more fighting traffic trying to pick up the kids and the dry cleaning before going home. One less trip means less money spent on gas. And we all know that time is money, right? They also offer wash and fold laundry service and work hard to make sure that their customers know that their satisfaction is their main priority. Plus, business owners love them because they offer pickup and delivery uniform cleaning. They also handle bulk cleaning of tablecloths, napkins, and any other business dry cleaning needs. BusyFolk.com is only a click away. Find them by typing BusyFolk.com into your computer or smartphone. They currently pick up and deliver in the Atlanta area, serving Fulton, DeKalb, and Cobb counties. Visit BusyFolk.com to register for an account or to learn more. That's BusyFolk.com. You can file your own taxes. It's simple. Just click MyOwnTaxReturn.com. But if filing your own taxes is not for you, they've got you covered. Just click MyOwnTaxReturn.com to reach a real CPA. Most advice is free. Or you can hire a CPA if you're still convinced that tax preparation is just not for you. And they have tax tips that you can use for the upcoming tax season. It's all right here on MyOwnTaxReturn.com. That's MyOwnTaxReturn.com. Welcome back to Mind Your Business Radio on TalkZone.com. Here's Dr. Florin Seiler and Althea DeBar-Johnson. And for those of you all who are with us and listening, you know that uh, Attorney Althea DeBar-Johnson is not with us today, but we have Mr. Scott and we have the students at Atlanta Technical College. Say hi, everybody. Hello. <laughs> okay, so Mr. Scott. You're going to tell us now, you told us about a lot of traps, and our students had some very, very good questions and concerns, and so now you're going to tell us how to avoid some of these traps. Okay, Mind Your Business Radio, and particularly Dr. Seiler, is here to help you create wealth, okay? But that creating part, that's the most important part. It means to take responsibility for your own finances, okay? So when we begin to create, the first thing that we have to create is a clear vision of exactly what our goals are. And we're going to do that by step number one, writing your vision down. Yes. Write down your vision. If it's a specific number that you want to earn, everybody in here has a number that they feel like if they could make that amount of money, they would be successful. And whether it's $75,000 a year or $200,000 a year, you all have a number. Write that number down. And then begin the process of figuring out, as, as Robert Kiyosaki would say, how, not whether I can or can't, but how can I do this? How can I make my way to a job that, that pays me that much? So again, write down your goals, okay? Um, again, excellent financial management is a purpose-driven goal. It is not going to happen by happenstance. It's not going to happen by just chance. You're going to have to make it happen. You're going to have to create it, as Dr. Seiler would say. Second thing, we got to talk about the B word. <laughs> we got to talk about the B word. I've seen studies that connect uh, people's self-esteem and how they felt about themselves to how to patterns and how they spend money. Mm-hmm. Okay, you guys have heard the term retail therapy. Show hands if you if you've heard the phrase. Women, re- all women, women hands, hands up. Hands hands seem up to be, just just <laughs> seem to be lost on this one. But again. Your, your, your esteem should not come from like you being able to spend money. All right. Now, mind you, 
It is a truism that always having limits placed on you as it relates to the being able to buy the things you need. Certainly that can impact you, but you have to know your budget. You have to know your means. Okay. My brother who is a financial planner for years, he always says, if your expenditures exceed your income, then your upkeep will be your downfall. Okay. Mm. You want to make a budget, know what your overhead is. Know what your expenses are. Be informed. Don't go through your life blind, month to month, uninformed. Okay? Mm-hmm. Write these things down. And when I say uninformed about your life, many of you, if I gave you a pad and a sheet of paper, and I told you, write down everything you spend, and then categorize it at the end of the month, many of you would go, I spend this much on eating out? I spent that much on entertainment? Okay, I see a smile in the back of the room from Mr. Algea. He didn't smile like that the whole semester. So, <laughs> okay, again, make a budget. Okay, now when you make a budget and you know what your overhead is, now begin the wealth creation process by living below your means. Okay, pay yourself first. Yes. Then pay your bills. And then live below your mean. Again, you want to reduce your overhead. Okay? If you get it, many people, when they get raises, you know, uh, Dr. Seiler, typical law of economics. People make more money, they then, they, more. then they want to spend more money. No, 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 no. You want to get to a place that's nice and comfortable for you within your, uh, within your income level. And then when you get that, that raise, that increase, you want to continue saving. Okay, don't go out and buy a really, really expensive car. Okay, get something that's inexpensive. Do not get, no, we're not talking about the Lamborghini, Justin. Okay, get something that is inexpensive. Uh, And I have nothing against a Lamborghini, but the car, there's two costs that you have to consider when you're thinking about a vehicle. Right. It is the price of that car, and then there's this other thing called the cost of ownership. Right. Okay, the cost of fueling. The cost to insure it, the cost to maintain it, the cost to repair it if anything goes wrong with it. Okay, can you imagine what that's like for a a, um, a, a Lamborghini? You know, Warren Buffett. What kind of car does Warren Buffett? Anybody know who Warren Buffett is? He's a he's a right. I think the the second wealthiest man. Yeah, yeah. Second wealthiest man in, I think in the that's country. That's only because he gave about thirty billion in stock to Bill Gates Foundation. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So he's the second wealthiest. What kind of car do you think he drives? Probably drive a Honda. A Toyota. Uh, he he drives a Buick, right? Uh, some yeah. sort of Buick or mm-hmm. something like that. And it's an older model Buick, and he's had that same car since forever. And oh yes, and in the same household. Okay, same house that he, you know, and all these things, because he realizes that. It's ownership. It's not. It's not how. It's not what, what they call it. It's not how much you can bling. It's not how much you can showboat. Right. It's it's the ownership of those things and the fact that he can't even stop making money because he's done so many good investments that his money just keeps going and going without him even trying. And and to me, when I was we were asking about financial freedom, to me, financial freedom means to me. I can work if I want to work. Now, that doesn't mean I have a big house. What I'm saying is I don't have a mortgage, which means I can work if I want to work. To me, that's financial freedom. So that is the goal. The goal is to be financially free. Whatever car, house, whatever you choose, 
you can do it. And if you don't want to work, if or if you get laid off, you don't lose everything. Okay. Yes. Keep going. Let's go to number four. And we're going to number four, and <laughs> four is the most important one here because now we've written down our goals. We know what our target is. We've made a budget. We know what our overhead and our variable costs are. Now we began to live below our means, and now because we're living below our means, we're actually starting to save up money. And so now we have a little accumulation there in the bank account, and now the hardest thing ever comes to do um, <laughs> when 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 you have money and you end up telling people so they know you have money, and then they start asking for it. One of the things you can do to manage your and to continue to create wealth and manage is just a fundamental thing: learn to say no. <laughs> okay, let, let all together now. No, no. no. <laughs> okay, that was easy. How many people? How many people in here honestly have a problem saying no? Sometimes when other people are literally, Sometimes. it's tough, y'all. It's tough. Okay, Hong is is literally waving both of his hands. It's it's it's, it's tough. All right, you don't be a slave to what other people think. Okay, you don't want to do that. Now, mind you, if you remain silent, step number five, if you learn to say no, step number four, step number five, remain silent, then this means that now you have a surplus to be drawn upon if ever there are any emergencies. Okay? Now you're literally thinking ahead so that a financial emergency is not going to just completely devastate you financially. Mm-hmm. All right? Again, step number six. If there are any issues with the check system, okay, resolve those issues. Remember again, problems do not age well, and I'm ass- I assure you, because most banking is one of the most highly competitive businesses out there. And I remember as a young banker being in those Monday morning meetings where when you walk into the door, they're like, "Hi, how are you? How can I help you?" They're just the most friendly people ever, but. Ten minutes before you walked in the door, the bank manager had all the bankers and all the tellers in one room saying, "You want to get everything they got. You want to get all of their money, all of their all of their accounts, all of their loans." It's almost like a tiger lion syndrome where they just want to devour you and literally make sure that they have all of your money. They want you as a customer. My point is. And the more customers they can get, they're going to be more reasonable to resolve these issues than you would know. Okay. Again, if you have any type of reloadable debit cards, whether it's uh, the rush card, okay, uh, or if it's a a school card, or because your your job is uh, reloading money on it, uh, you want to know the fees and manage those fees. Open a bank account. A lot of financial traps. Uh, people fall into them just because they 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 don't know that they can actually open a, an account rather than having to deal with the check cashing place or other place. Again, when we know better, we do better. Right. All right. Again, avoid payday lenders. Avoid title lenders if you can. If you do end up having to use one of them, make sure that you understand and use it as a short-term credit solution. And the minute you get into using that as a long-term credit solution, you know now that you are being taken advantage of. And again, the last thing, uh, in my opinion, should have been the first. 
Just know that you do deserve to have good things happen to you. Yes, indeed. Many people, when they have financial windfalls, they the first thing they think is, what did I do to deserve this? Okay. Uh, no matter what you've done in your life, you do deserve to have good things happen for you just for no other reason than you're here. Right. All right. So you do deserve to be successful and you will be if you intend it and you plan it and execute it. Oh, awesome. Thank you so much, Mr. Scott. Let's give Mr. Scott a round of applause. Thank you so much, Mr. Scott. Uh, students, we have a few more. We just have a few, like maybe even a half a minute left. And so if you have any questions, please make your way to the front so you can ask some questions. But I just want to say that, you know, I appreciate you, Mr. Scott. I appreciate you for, you know, delivering this message to our listeners and also to our students. I hope that you have learned something. Uh, stay tuned. Next week, we're going to be talking about that B word, that budget word, Lord. I call it financial freedom. So we're going to talk about financial freedom. You're listening to Mind Your Business Radio. You can uh, reach Mr. Scott at our website or at www.damonmscott.com. See you next week. Bye-bye.